America's beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. Not all plastic is the same. At the Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles are made to be remade. We're carefully designing them to be 100% recyclable, including the caps. And we're investing in community recycling improvements so that every bottle we get back can be used to make new bottles. That completes the circle and reduces plastic waste. Please help us get every bottle back. Learn more at everybottleback.org. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dummler, and with me as always, we have the legend Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos, with an extra focus on the NFL draft. Nick and I will continue to talk general Broncos news, but always have a focus towards team building. We still stand by our statement, though, that building teams in the offseason and playing armchair GM is just as fun as the actual games on Sunday. Follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kendall MHH, and tweet us as much as you like, and follow the podcast account at HuddleUpPod. You can also find ours and our co-writers' content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. We really appreciate the the reviews that we have received, and one from Rob Tanamo Bay. We appreciate it very much of you saying, wow, this podcast is exactly what I've been needing. As a lifelong diehard Denver Broncos fan, Huddle Up has been a constant source of my daily football fix. They always have correct news close to first, great in-depth knowledge of the game, and outstanding analyzing of different situations from on the field to front office ideas. These guys knock it out of the park each and every podcast. I highly recommend it and suggest it to anyone who wants to deep dive into the NFL's best team. My worst days are the days they don't release a new podcast. Keep up the great work, guys. Well, Rob Tonham Bay, we really appreciate it, man. Make sure to look at us uh, on iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Cloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We are switching from defense to offense. And, you know, the defense, everybody knows, great unit, been great the last two years. You know, uh, who was it that rated the Broncos as having two of the top 30 defenses of the last 30 years? I think it was Football Outsiders? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Well, we're maybe in line for a third of the, the past 30 years this year. And so the, the unit that probably needs the more talking about because this is, you know, the make or break. You know, defense is Super Bowl ready, but can the offense match it? And and today, we're going to be diving into the trenches. You know, these two units of the the tackles and the inside guys. Um, this will go a long way in determining whether we are Super Bowl contenders or struggling to be eight and eight in this upcoming season. And today, we're going to start with the the offensive tackles. You know, last year maybe one of the weakest parts of the entire team. Both those guys, well, I guess Stevenson's still here. 
<laughs> Barely. <laughs> They've still <laughs> we'll, been we'll replaced, yeah. though. Yeah, he has been replaced with a, a new starter. And this is something I've been kind of tracking. The, the last three years, we've replaced three or more starters on the offensive line. So it's just it's been the one area that Elway and company have not been able to figure out of how to get a, a, a good starting unit. Ever since Clady went down, it's just not been the same. And this, again, will be another year where we have two new starting tackles and a new starting guard at least, maybe more. And it's so like I said, we're going to deep dive into this tackle group and see if maybe there is a little bit of promise for this year. Maybe a little bit of hope that this could be a, a good pairing for the next few years. But first, let me tell you about Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Nick, I know you're going on a, a long trip here. Are you planning on maybe listening to a, a book through Audible? Oh, definitely. My girlfriend is not the best flyer, so I'm, I'm still going to be there to support her. But I'm going to have my earbuds in trying to relax a little bit, maybe catch a little shut eye on the flight, and uh, definitely listen to audible.com. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, it's it's perfect for those kind of trips and and uh, taking on those long flights. Uh, if our listeners don't know, Nick is getting to go to Costa Rica during this Ooh. NFL downtime. You know, he, he gets to have a nice little distraction while the rest of us sit here and uh, twiddle our thumbs waiting for training camp to kick off on July 27th. Yeah, but to be fair, I haven't taken a vacation day since going to the Combine. So I've been been working pretty hard here over the last few months and been saving up those vacation hours and the, putting away that money and excited to go somewhere. It's not too expensive and get to see some wildlife, some sloths. I'm excited about the sloths, of course, and uh, should be a good time. <laughs> well, hopefully our, our offensive tackles are a little faster than a sloth this year. Ah, fingers crossed, man. Yeah. There's no telling though. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we dive into the guys we have this year, let's, let's look at last year. Last year, we uh, started off with signing Russell Okung. And, you know, I, I, was one, I, was, I was a little excited about it, worried about him not staying healthy, but he did survive all 16 games. And, and the Broncos signed him to what I thought was an awesome deal. You know, one-year prove-it deal for $5 million and then a four-year option for, I think, like $48 million. Unfortunately, the NFL did not view it this way. And this comes back to, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, comp pick gate? Is that what you'd call it? Uh, just Denver getting screwed out of a comp pick again. Yeah, right yeah. I think that was maybe the most angry you and I were all off season was when we didn't get this comp pick for for a Russell Okung as he went to the Chargers on a on a huge deal. And uh, you know the NFL recognized it as a five year deal instead of just this one year option. Well, anyway, so he he's gone. He's gone off to the Chargers. And good luck to well, not good luck to him. I I don't know what you want to call it, but have fun there, I guess. Thanks for your time in Denver. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then, of course, the Broncos signed Donald Stevenson from the Chiefs. And he is still with the team. And we'll see if he's going to make it. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But not, uh, not a great showing with the Broncos. I think he finished as the worst offensive tackle in the NFL this past season. Oh, boy. One of them. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, that's, uh, that's what we had last year. And it was not pretty. And got our quarterbacks hurt. And quarterbacks also weren't having the best depth at times. They didn't help out the offensive tackles a whole lot. But it was, yeah, it was rough to watch. And so, 
honestly, part of me is sitting here saying, I don't think we could be much worse. <laughs> you say that. You yeah, I say know. that. I know. I know. Knock on wood here. Um, but yeah, looking at this year's unit, I, I think there's a little bit more promise. And, and, and we can always start here with uh, Garrett Bowles. And we've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast because we're draft nuts. And Garrett Bowles has been on our radar since October, November. Something like yeah, that. October was yeah. October was when I first mocked him to Denver. Right. Yeah. You had him clear back then as being a Denver Bronco. I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind uh, had him close to being a Bronco at that point. So Nick, I got Nick, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Kendall. He was first on the scene <laughs> for this guy, yeah. but Garrett Bowles, our first round pick and expected to be our, our starting left tackle. Let's, let's just deep dive into this guy. What can you, what can you say about him? Well, sorry to backtrack first, but I also we it's worth mentioning that Ty Sambrello also was one of the mishap tackles last year. That was a I wouldn't call him a starter, but he was our third tackle. And when he played, it was atrocious. I mean, we're gonna talk get a little more in depth of him soon, but you say Donald Stevenson was the worst tackle in football last year. He might have been based on a racking up enough snaps where he was not good enough, but from a just a pure snap to snap basis. I think Sam Brilo was worse. I mean, he was he just got destroyed by Vic Beasley. And I remember the first half of the Chiefs game at Denver where I think Justin Houston had like two and a half sacks in one quarter against Sam Brilo. So let's not uh <laughs> let's not forget the I mean, I, as much as I'd like to forget, let's not not talk about how much Sam Brilo struggled last year. That's true. Uh, we we can say this with certainty. There was no team that had a worse right tackle situation than the Broncos last year. Yeah, absolutely. You, you and it combine was, those two, it was it was terrible. I mean, it it was kind of one of those who you're going to send out there that's just going to get beat every play. <laughs> that that's kind of what it boiled down to. Yeah, and it's magnified by the fact that the AFC West is just flipping loaded with edge rush talent. I mean, you got Bosa, Ingram, uh, Irvin, Mack, Ford, Holly, Houston. I mean, it's just, there's nowhere else in the NFL that has edge rushers like the. AFC West. And then of course, Von Miller, Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray. So if you're going to be a tackle on the AFC West, you better have a short-term memory and get used to getting your booty beat or your booty waxed because those edge rushers are some of the best in the league. Right. Right. And unfortunately for the Broncos, we have caused some guys to have some career days against us. You know, I, we're going to talk about a guy in Schofield that oh man <laughs> he gave mac i mean he put him on the map of the nfl i mean he was there before that but all of a sudden then everybody's going this is maybe the best player in the nfl and i'm going did you see who he went against uh, you know it, oh it was terrible but anyway on to, to who we have here uh garrett bowles is who we're starting with our, our rookie first round pick hopefully starting left tackle what can what can you tell us about him well garrett bowles has a prototypical frame for the tackle position he is six foot five around 300 pounds he measured at 297 at the combine with 34 inch arms which for me personally you want about 33 and a half as the absolute minimum for a tackle because otherwise they just need to be able to it with longer arms they create a harder angle for edge rushers to get to the quarterback and also they do a better job of having edge rushers not get into their chest so normally i mean you don't you don't care if a guy has like 37 arms compared to like 35 inch arms, 
but there's that minimum and Bowles reach, reaches that cutoff. So that's important. He had a phenomenal combine too on the field, uh, four, nine, five forty. So a sub five forty for a lineman is incredible. And then his three cone was one of the best in, in the history of the combine for a offensive tackle at 7.29. It was also better than Dalvin cook, who's supposed to be the agility back in this last year's class. So very good athlete. And my pre combine comparison of Taylor Luan slash Jason Spriggs kind of rings true. He's not the same athlete as Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson is the right tackle for the Eagles. who might be one of the best athletic tackles that's come through in the last decade, but he's, he's that tier underneath them. So I'm excited to, use that raw athleticism and see it on the field this year. Agreed. Yeah, that's, that, that's what you're getting. I mean, day one, you have a, a top athlete of the position, you know, maybe not quite the top, top guy, but like you said, Lane Johnson, he's just ridiculous, but beyond him. Yeah. He's in that next tier and, and, and that's nice to have it. It helps him, you know, say he does get a little out of position. He has the athleticism to, to recover and get right back in there. And, the thing that I love about him that you see on tape above everything else is he has that aggressive attitude, that mean streak that he just wants to hurt somebody. You know, he, <laughs> I love his interviews cause he's like the nicest guy in the world off the field, but you see him on the field and he just like, he'll put you on the ground and then he'll just kind of stand over the top of you and just kind of stare you down. Like, yeah, this is going to be how it's going to be all day. And I love it. I love what he brings on the field and it matches what the Broncos are trying to do. Bringing in, Ronald Leary and Menelik Watson, they're trying to become the bullies of the AFC West. They're going to make guys pay, and and Garrett Bowles fits right into that. So we're just going to have to see. That's the, the big thing, though, is that he's raw. You know, they saw it in the, the Pac-12 this last year. He started off struggling quite a bit against, you know, the early games for a Pac-12 team are usually their easy games, their warm-up games. And in his first 267 snaps last year, he gave up two sacks, one quarterback hit, and nine hurries. Not good. For a tackle, especially against inferior opponents, that was not good. But beyond that, for the final 624 snaps of the season, he gave up one sack, zero quarterback hits, and only seven hurries. So that, that's where I have the promise of, of good things to come, that he has improved, that he works to improve, he figures out what he does wrong, and... You know, those stats came against guys like USC, Washington, Colorado, who actually have some pass rushers. So I, I think there, there's some promise there with this kid. But I think you and I both kind of agree there might be a struggle early on. I would be absolutely shocked if he came out of the gates and played a Ryan Clady level year one. You know, Ryan Clady stunk that first preseason game where he got whooped up on. And then after that, he was all rookie and went on to be, I think, an all pro the next year. I'm not expecting that with Bowles. I'm expecting a rougher first year, somewhat similar to DJ Humphreys, who was a tackle drafted by the Cardinals a couple years ago. Good athlete, but still kind of learning the position and just started getting it together at the end of last year. So it took him about two years for it to start really coming together for the, the athleticism to match the on-field play. Uh, like you're talking about, he had a great time at Utah this year, his first year playing. He did not allow a single pressure on a bull rush, according to Pro Football Focus, which is phenomenal. But he's going to need to get stronger at the NFL. Uh, one reason I think the bull rush, the lack of giving up pressures on a bull rush, was the type of offense that Utah ran was a, a shotgun spread with a heavy quarterback run heavy offense. So not a lot of five, seven step drops and having the quarterback, you know, be exposed or asking bulls to hold passing blocks for a long time. So 
in the AFC West, like we talked about, the especially Mack and Bosa, who are great bull rushers at the edge position. He's going to need to get a little stronger to handle those guys. But I'm excited for the raw potential. Like I think he's going to get up to probably 315 pounds compared to his 297 that he weighed at the Combine, which is more than enough for a left tackle at 6'5", uh, to be strong enough to not get pushed back after that, it's going to come more down to technique and just, you know, the, the savviness that comes with being a tackle and using different hand technique at different times, you know, whether it be a one-hand punch, two-hand punch, et cetera. So I'm excited for him. I think he'll probably – if he's mediocre this year, I wouldn't be surprised. That's actually what I'm expecting. But I'm also looking for him to progress linear, linearly each year. Uh, he improved technically and mentally almost a game-to-game basis. Uh, so it's important for the Bronco fans to be – patient because bulls has the tools and demeanor to succeed but will likely be up and down this first year the the one thing that i think that can translate well and early for him though is his run blocking he graded out as the second best run blocking tackle in this last draft and you know he anchored one of the best run attacks in college football especially to that left side you know utah they they when they needed a yard that's where they took it to that left side with either the quarterback or running back, whoever it was. And I, I'm excited to see him in the run game. You know, he's going to be next to some big guys, either Garcia or Leary, one of the two. And, you know, Garcia, yeah, he struggled in pass blocking last year, but run blocking, man, when he had to, you know, hat on hat, that's where the Broncos needed to go last year. And that, that's probably what irritated me more than anything with Kubiak and his system. They always wanted to go to the right side. And you wrote a great article not too long ago about the struggles of that right side. And, you know, it just it, it was where our weakness was of Schofield and and uh, Stevenson or Sam Brylo, one of the two. And I, I still can't understand why they kept going to the right side when they needed a yard. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, that was last year. This year, you know, that's that's the big thing they wanted to improve on was getting that physical ability right up the up up the middle. And, you know, running between the tackles and and Garrett Bowles can do that day one for them. Yeah, he is a little bit undersized, but he has that mean streak that he just wants to go destroy somebody. And I think that's going to really carry over first year. Yeah, and he weighed in undersized, but I don't think long term he's a guy that we're going to worry about being too small. He's an adequate frame, in my opinion. And with only playing Division One one year, being in that weightlifting program, you get him in an NFL strength and conditioning program. And I see him getting up to the 315, no problem. So Yeah, I agree. And something to keep in mind here, I, I'm trying to remember what his weight was or what it is right now. The uh, the tackle for for the Cowboys. Tyron Smith? Tyrone Smith, yes. He yeah. is he's right at three hundred pounds. And they run a, a power blocking scheme. And so everybody thinks you have to have these three hundred twenty, three hundred thirty pound guys to run this kind of scheme. That that's not true. You know, offensive linemen, it's at this point, you know, when you get up to there to that 300, 310 pound range, it's it's about angles. It's about getting the the leverage. It's about knowing how to use your hands. It's knowing when to punch. And, you know, those are the things that that Bowles is going to have to work on. He's got to work on when his punch needs to hit and, you know, how to attack guys, how to attack angles, when to, you know, attack early, when to wait for a guy to come into his body and then try to punch. You know, those are all things he's going to have to work on. Um, but, yeah, I think that he can still translate early on for that run game just because of his aggressive attitude. And and he does win well with leverage. You know, I saw guys 
you know, try to bull rush him. I, I know you said that with the offense that they run, but there were a lot of times where I saw some pretty big guys, especially against Washington. They had some of their bigger guys try to go against him, you know, with him being a little bit more undersized. And he held his ground. You know, he, he didn't let them push him back into the quarterback. Yeah. No, he does have that strength, especially when he's initially making contact. But it's more of that secondary strength that I worry about where he can sustain blocks uh, because he is such a good athlete. When he fires into his blocks, he can really generate some pop. So that has me excited for the uh, drive blocks. But he's going to need to continue to work on his core strength and add more lower body strength in order for him to push guys out of the way and sustain those blocks in the uh, power blocking scheme. But overall, I'm excited about him. Denver wanted him. He was a top 10 player on their board. And something that we haven't mentioned either that I think is going to be awesome for him this year, uh, how McCoy likes to use a lot of those tackles is in the screen game. Some of his best plays were where he was outside the hash marks, moving down the field, creating lanes and running in front of either a running back or a wide receiver in a screen. So if you remember with Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas and even somewhat Eric Decker, Mike McCoy was amazing calling and utilizing the screen game for the wide receivers. So I'm expecting to see Bulls running down the field at places where you don't normally see 300-pound linemen down the field. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. There, I, I can't remember. Who were they playing where he just leveled a guy that never saw him coming in the, in the screen game? USC. It was Cameron USC. Smith, who people think right. might be a first-round pick this year. That's right. Yeah, that was, that was crazy. <laughs> I'm surprised that guy got off the ground because he, he, was, he was parallel to the ground at one point, floating in the air. And that was that was awesome to see. And there, there's been a couple other plays that really show Bowles of just his athleticism, you know, of just getting out there where he has to get like clear to the sideline almost on a screen play. And he's running just right along there with the with the wide receiver, um, pretty much going about that same speed. It's it's pretty impressive watching this guy run. And so, yeah, I'm excited to watch that and excited to see how our first round pick does. But like you said, we got to temper our expectations a little bit early. You know, give this yeah. guy some time. You know, don't sit there and say he's a bust day one. You know, I, I know some people have done that with, like, with Paxton Lynch. You know, he's played two games. Not look great in either of those games. Oh, he's a bust. You know, that's, that's not how this game works. There's plenty of guys that were, were terrible early on. The Raiders, they just signed Derek Carr to the largest contract in NFL history, and his rookie year was quite the struggle. You know, he had a couple moments of showing some glimpses of what he could be. And Paxton Lynch, if you go back to the preseason, he had some moments where he showed what he could be. That game against Tampa Bay, you know, they don't qualify that as one of his games, but he showed some promise in that game. You know, when he wasn't really thinking as much and just going out there and playing, he showed some promise. So, again, you know, with rookies, you got to give them some time. You can't just day one, you know, he gives up a sack in his very first play. You know, Devontae Booker last year fumbled his very first play. (laughs) That's got to be like the worst start to an NFL career ever. But, you know, that's that, that's just how it goes sometimes. Rookies have a, a struggle from day one. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be all pro unless you are just a ridiculous player. So Garrett Bowles, he's going to have some struggles along the way. But he does have some promise of, of becoming something good for us and being able to, to be a long-term answer for us at that left tackle position. Because remember, tackles, this is, this is why his age thing, you know, being 25 years old, I, we've said this before. Some of the best offensive tackles right now are 32, 34, 35 years old. You know, that that's 10 years in the league. That's a pretty good career for a guy. That would be great if we got that out of him. Yeah, I would be stoked to just get five good years out of him on that first contract, really not even looking farther than that. So 
he should be 30 when he hits the market again. And that's honestly about tackle peak age. So two contracts, I would not be surprised at all. Something to mention as well is while he is older being 25, he hasn't played football as long, especially at tackle. Uh, he came from Snow Valley as a – started off there as a defensive tackle, then switched to offensive line. So he's really only been playing offensive line for about two years. Uh, so just huge potential there. And because he hasn't played as long, he doesn't have the wear and tear that a lot of guys at 25 years old have. So he's a little more nimble, a little more fresh, and raw. So he's not like a 25-year-old guy who technique has just never set in. He just hasn't had the ability to work on the technique like other 25-year-olds have. So I'm expecting a more linear progression with him. By this point next year, I'm hoping that we are talking about a very solid starting tackle. Potentially right tackle, but hopefully left tackle, but potentially right tackle. He has the, the run blocking and the tenacity that he, I think he could play either tackle position well, if need be. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get into maybe some draft guys for next year. You know, it's not a position that is set in stone for next year of, hey, we won't go offensive tackle early on. And, and there's some great left tackles. You know, as bad as this draft was, next year's is amazing. <laughs> if, if the guys come out, there are, there are some guys that might not come out. Just like this year, there are some guys that didn't come out. And, but it's looking strong. And we'll talk about those guys here in just a little bit. But before we get to them, we're going to talk about a guy Elway brought in, in Minelik Watson. And he came from the Raiders. He's been there for the last four years. And he was kind of that... You know, as much as we're talking about this with all with Garrett Bowles, Minnick Watson kind of fits that same profile of being that guy that came in pretty raw, hadn't played football very long. He's you know he's from England actually. Um, you know where he there he didn't really play a whole lot of football while he was there, and didn't really get into it until he got here. And people were like, "Man, you got the size, strength to really do something in football." But yeah, he came to the league with a lot of promise, a lot of athletic traits that you love that you have to mold into something. And unfortunately, injuries have really taken away from that ability to, to grow in the position. You know, he's not been able to start an entire season in his four years in the NFL. And so the, the Raiders decided that they could let him go. And the Broncos picked him up in, in the hopes that maybe their training staff could keep him on the field for 16 games. You know, that was a big reason he said he came to the Denver Broncos. But beyond all of that, Nick, how about you tell us about this guy? Well, I think it should be you that tells us about him since you just wrote that <laughs> fantastic article that the Denver Broncos even shared. So everyone, if you haven't read it yet, go check out Carl's uh, film breakdown of Menelik Watson with the Raiders. So it's good work, a lot of fun. I love those film pieces and get a glimpse at it. It's a good reason to go premium. You know, Over at Huddle Up, we don't just report the news. We take a much more analytical eye towards breaking down the game you know we like to do film analysis we like to do analytical pieces you know with statistics so check out this watson one i do not believe it is premium is it premium it is not actually so surprise surprise there so yeah get a little taste of what you guys are missing if you aren't a premium member at huddle up but uh yeah back to watson uh six foot five 315 pounds kind of that size that we were hoping that uh bulls will get to with 34 inch arms so pretty similar stature to garrett bull surprisingly uh, very physical specimen, you know, always just been a height, weight, speed guy. Honestly, I'm surprised he is only 6'5", 315 because he looks like he's like 6'8", 330, <laughs> just, a, just a tower. He's always looked like a tower. Um, yeah. I think he has broader shoulders too. I wish they gave away not just arm measurements, arm length, but I wish they had wingspan because I feel like he does have a pretty broad set of shoulders too, which adds 
more distance with his wingspan. But a good player, he's just never been able to stay healthy and take that next step because of that. You know, they like we harp on here, a player's best ability is their availability, and that has not been the case with Watson so far. The Raiders have been trying to give him that right tackle position for the past few years because Austin Howard, you know, even though he's a Northern Iowa Panther, so I got a little soft spot for him, he just has not been that impressive on the Raiders' offensive line. Definitely the, the weakest position of that offensive line. And they kept trying to give it to Watson. You know, every time he looked like he was about to take that right tackle position because he is obviously more physically talented than Howard is. I'm hoping that the Dove Valley wonder effect that we saw with Okung last year where a guy who's been injured consistently comes in and is miraculously healthier. Uh, Denver's had a pretty good history of that pretty recently. So hopefully we'll see that with Watson and he can get on the field because he does have gobs of potential for the right tackle position. He does. And like you said, I I wrote that piece and I honestly went into it thinking because I remember uh, last year I was talking to a Raiders fan and I kept saying, you know, Millick Watson, he's that weak spot and he has to go against Vaughn Miller, you know, twice a year and in other guys, Justin Houston, and everything else. I said, you know, they're going to get Derek Carr killed. So I kind of went into this with that kind of mindset of, of Watson's not going to show well. And I, I left the piece going, I'm actually pretty impressed with this guy when he plays he does some some decent things. He has some decent qualities that, that you love to, to see in a right tackle. He has that mean streak when he wants it. You know, this is this is a question that I've gotten from a few people of, you know, is he always that aggressive? You know, I showed one run play where he just destroyed a guy and was pushing him two, three yards back and just didn't even let him get into the play. And there, there are a lot of plays where you see that out of him. He just, you know, when he wants to be physical, man, he just destroys people. But there's sometimes he gets a little lazy in that. And just doesn't quite, if the play is kind of going to the other side, I don't see quite as aggressive of an attitude. And, you know, sometimes it's that backside play. You know, the Broncos lived off this in the in the 90s of that backside cutoff lane, you know, and, and that's not quite the same system as what we're running right now. But it's still, it still needs to be there. You know, running back still needs to be able to see maybe that backside's opened up a little bit more. You know, that inside's completely clogged. Well, let's bounce it back out to the right. And so that's one area that I saw with Watson that he needs to work on is just being consistent in how he attacks. And, but he has the ability to be that, that mauler. Um, Oakland, man, when they needed one yard, you know, you would think with Donald Penn and I always say this name wrong. Osamoli. 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 There we go. Osamoli. You think with those two guys, they'd want to run it to that left side every time because those guys are their premier players at their position. But that's not the case. They actually went after Gabe Jackson and Menelik Watson. That's who they wanted to run through when they needed a yard. And that, that's why it gives me hope. You know, when they see that, they see, hey, these are the guys we need to run behind. These are the guys that, that will push that pocket two, three yards down the field. And, yeah, it was, it was awesome to watch. There was that Colts, the Colts game. If you want to see what Watson brings to the table, what he could be for the Broncos, watch his Indianapolis Colts game last year. That, that's the one I'd recommend. You know, a lot of people, <laughs> they, they always point to the playoff game where he switched over to left tackle, and they'll say he got destroyed by... It was oh DJ Reader. DJ Reader. Okay, he was one of them, and then... Uh, Clowney, Merciless. Yeah, there's a whole host of them that just made him look terrible in that game. He was not great at left tackle. No. You know, he if he's our left, starting left tackle he needs a lot of work. You know, his, his footwork just isn't made for the left tackle position. And, and to those who say, you know, 
right or left, it doesn't matter. It matters mostly because of the feet. You know, you got to gotta work on which is your anchoring foot and which one's the, your attacking foot, you know, all those kind of things of just how you're going to, to work on that. And, and he was asked to switch in a week, you know, mid, yeah. you know, right at the end of the season, all of a sudden, oh, you're a left tackle. It doesn't work that way. And so, yeah, he got destroyed. I'm not trying to make complete excuses for why he had a terrible game, but he, he's a much better right tackle. And if he can get healthy, stay healthy and actually be able to work through some of his technique issues. Cause that's the other thing he, he gets the leaning way too far forward when he gets lazy or whatever you want to call it, or just doesn't pay attention to his technique. He tries to punch by, you know, kind of leaping off his feet and trying to attack a guy and it gets him in trouble. If he can keep his base below him, I, I didn't ever see him get beat when his technique was right. You know, he, he never got beat in those moments. He has that, like, like you said, he has a lot longer wingspan than people think. You know, his 34-inch arms don't give him justice for how, how hard it is to get around this guy. The other area that I would say that I was really impressed was how he handled when teams tried to run stunts at him. If you, if you remember last year, maybe one of the biggest weaknesses for our offensive line when it came, other than the right tackle position, was when teams ran stunts at us. I don't know how many times I'd see Max Garcia like almost take out Russell O'Kung because he was trying to chase a guy. And leaving a wide open big guy. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, teams just, they, they schemed for that because they said, look at this. They, they do it every time. <laughs> and Watson, he doesn't fall for that. He has amazing patience. He has the athleticism to, to recover. You know, if a guy tries to beat him to the outside, but he'll have patience just to kind of wait and like keep his body square to the line of scrimmage, which is a big thing where, you know, don't try to turn too quick. And then he'll attack when he needs to. You know, he has patience to wait to, to do his punch. He doesn't do it early. He usually waits for his guy, and that, that's a huge trait to have. Um, I, I loved him. I, I was blown away considering how many times I had Raiders fans tell me sometimes how terrible he was. Um, you know, I, I saw some comments on my article from Raiders fans going, good luck with this guy. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's true. I mean, he has his weaknesses. I'm not trying to say he's perfect or anything like that. But if he gets some of his technique stuff worked out, I think he could be a decent answer for that right tackle position. You know, at yeah. least at least better than what we had last year. You know, that's that's what we're looking at. Is this going to be a step up from last year? You know, Garrett Bowles, I don't know. That's Russell Kung actually did better than people ever give him credit for last year, especially in the run game. You know, we averaged about five yards carry running to his side. Garrett Bowles, he has a little bit to live up to there. You know, Kunk struggled in the in the past game, but run game he was pretty dominant. Yeah, Watson at the right tackle position though, I think that's a, a huge upgrade for the Broncos. Even if he's just average, average for the position, that's a huge upgrade. Absolutely, we struggled there tremendously last year, and going from the worst to even top twenty, not even average, below average. That that'll be a step up and big for the Broncos in the pass game and the run game. But again, it all comes back to his health. He yeah. came out of Florida State, and he was raw with his technique. You know, hadn't played the position very long. And all the reports said, you know, if he just needs to get on the field and work out some of his kinks because he's got the size and athleticism to hang at the one of the bookends. And because of just constantly dealing with injuries, he's been stunted in his growth. You know, there he hasn't had that progression because he's in the trainer room more than on the field or in the weight room. So he's got to he's got to show he can stay healthy and. Uh, hopefully the development will come behind that. Right. And that, that was one of the most frustrating things when watching his tape 
it wasn't so much what he did on the field. It was the fact that how many t- how many games did he start? And about 15, 20 snaps into the game, he was out. Yep. The first about yep. five games that I watched, that's what happened because I was just looking at, you know, game started. And so I'd watch that tape. And all of a sudden, 20 snaps in, here's this new guy. And I'm going, what in the world? Mm-hmm. And, and so I finally started looking at, you know, snaps played per game. And finally yep. found some games where he actually played the entire game. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, it took a while to find this. <laughs> and and that's, yeah, that's what, it, you know, his biggest weakness. It's not what he does on the field. It's the fact that he's not on the field. Yep, absolutely agreed. Um, bringing it back to your piece, one thing that I wanted to note was how many of your segments that you chose were run blocking plays? Well, I would I'd just watch entire series is what I would do or try to watch an entire game with him. And so I'd say – about 60% of what I watched was actually run plays with him and about 40% pass blocking. But I was actually, I, I knew he was a decent run blocker, you know, yeah. you, you could watch a few plays of him run blocking and see that this guy has the physical tools just to dominate in that area. You know, that, that was never really a big issue for him. Like I said, he sometimes gets a little lazy in how he handles some things, but for the most part, if they're running behind him, he's moving his guy backwards. You know, I wasn't worried about that, but it was his pass blocking. I wanted to see, cause that was our big issue last year. You know, I mean, they weren't great run blockers at the right tackle position either, but man, they were getting quarterbacks killed. You know, that Atlanta game for, uh, for Paxton Lynch, just, you know, like you said, Vic Beasley had a creed career day, Justin Houston, you know, had a career day. And so both our quarterbacks got killed in those games. And uh, so what, what would he do in the, in the past game? And, and he did have those few times where he really lunged at a guy. There's about two or three plays a game where he would lunge at a guy. And it just – usually they were getting the ball out quick enough that it didn't matter. But against the Broncos, if they're trying to have that long developing play down the field to hit the big play, yeah, that's going to matter big time. So he's got to clean that up. Like I said, when he gets his technique right, when he stays over his feet, he doesn't get beat. Yeah, when I was I was considering of doing an article on him a few months ago when we signed him and I went to that Colts game and while I did enjoy many of the run blocking snaps, I feel like given his tools, he didn't play with the nastiness or the dominance especially against, you know, 240 pound edge rushers types against the Colts that I was hoping for, you know, whether that be chemistry with J- uh, Jackson, his right guard or yeah, Gabe Jackson or just, you know, executing his block and maintaining on there. But I didn't see that much of a killer instinct. So I was just curious why you uh, had four of the five as pass blocking sets rather than run blocking. So I was curious if you were a little bit, a little bit hoping for a little more when you watched him in run blocking. Yeah, I I realized after I got done that I'd done that. I I should have maybe included another run play, but there were, in, in that Colts game, I mean, if you watch their big runs, pretty much a lot of those were right behind Millick Watson. And he would, when he dominated, he really dominated. And, but yeah, he, he has some times where he leaves some things to, to be desired in the run game. He really struggles. I think sometimes it's more not the initial block, it's maintaining the block. Yeah. You know, he, he has a great punch, but sometimes he really struggles to know what to do once he gets the punch, gets the guy thrown off. He doesn't really, he's not the biggest finisher, I guess is the way I would say it in the run game. And I, that's what I'd like to see out of him a little bit more is just to truly finish off the, the guy. He kind of just kind of lets up after a little bit. You know, he's not Garrett Bowles standing over the top of a guy staring him down. Exactly. That's, that's what I thought as well. I just wanted to 
see if I was reading a little bit too much into your 405 because, I mean, obviously we do have questions about the pass blocking sets, but if we're going prototype, right tackle, left tackle, that right tackle is the, the run blocker, Mahler type. So Yeah, no, he, he's he's great. I, I, like I said, I think the Broncos this year, especially if Leary's going to start at right guard, like it's kind of shaping out to be, those third and one plays to the right, you don't even have to worry about those. I mean, they'll, they'll have those guys block two, three yards down the field. That's that's what I'm excited for. You know, that was my least favorite play last year, third and one. I've said that before on this show, hated it. Every time I saw it come up, I went, gosh, dang it, might as well go to the bathroom now because they're just going to punt it away. <laughs> you know, they might as well punt on third down because it's probably going to be longer on fourth down. And the, I don't worry about that this year. They're going to dominate on that right side. As long as everyone stays healthy. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's going to be the big concern for the entire offensive line this year. You yeah. know, Paradis, he's been hurt. Leary, he uh, he had a groin injury at one point. He has a degenerative knee issue. We're going to talk about that more in the next episode. And, of course, Watson, you know, he's played 17 games in four years. That's that's not always a great look for your top three guys maybe on your offensive line. Yeah, especially trying to develop a young quarterback and get them some protection and get them a run game. So yeah. Watson signed for a three-year $18.75 million deal. But for, I want to say for the most part, but it is very similar to a one-year deal just because the dead money in the second year or the third year is not very high. So Elway left himself in a position where if he has to, if Watson struggles with injury, uh, we can move on from him if need be. So that's, yeah, the, that's good. Yeah, the first year I think is yeah, $3.3 million for his, you know, his cap hit. That's pretty yeah. minimal. You know, that's, I mean, I think uh, Stevenson's making more than him this year. <laughs> for if he makes the team. Yeah, if he makes the team. And then the next few years after that, it jumps up to about $7.5 million. So he's he's got a one year to really prove that he can stay healthy, that he can be productive, and that he can maybe be that long-term answer at that right tackle position. You know, that he could be here for the next three years and, and hold that spot down and be fine. But he's he's got to prove it. He's got a lot to prove. He's got a ton of potential. He's got the size, physical tools, everything you'd want in a right tackle, but he's got to prove it. Amen. Well, we are already at 40 minutes, so we should probably move along to Tyson Brylow. Okay, yes. <laughs> All right, so speaking of an injury-prone right tackle, we have uh, Tyson Brylow, six foot five, 315 pounds, and, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of this guy from this year, but he looks like a different player. I've, I've been told that he's added about 15 pounds of muscle for this upcoming season. He, he finally got healthy enough to work out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what, what, what can happen with that. But right now, Tyson Brylo, he's looking like the guy that maybe could be the, the swing tackle for the Broncos this upcoming season. He is right now actually slated above Garrett Bowles at that left tackle position. I don't think that'll last very long in the training camp, but that is what we're at right now. Yeah, he uh, went to Colorado State, obviously, played for the Rams in Fort Collins, uh, one of the one of my favorite cities in the world, personally, and started 42 of 48 games in college. And he saw time at all five different positions. So I remember when the Broncos brought him in to work him out, he was doing uh, snaps at center. So he's somebody who's versatile and was considered one of the better zone-blocking offensive linemen in his class. Uh, he played tight end at high school as well as kicker, which is kind of fun. You know, if McManus ever gets hurt, maybe they'll throw some Brylow out there. Maybe he'd be better at kicker instead of tackle. I don't know. At this point, maybe. <laughs> uh, 
And he won a few titles as a freestyle skier, so that shows a little bit of agility and athleticism for the big guy. He didn't have the most incredible combine. He ran a 5.3640 and had a solid three cone at 7.54, which isn't bulls level, but it is pretty solid. And had an arm length of 33, so a little short for a tackle. You know, you want 33 is probably the bare minimum. I'd prefer 33 and a half. But, you know, not the, not the biggest guy, not the longest guy, and not the strongest guy as well. So if you, with those long arms, you got to have a little bit more strength to, you know, make up for it. And he doesn't really, he hasn't shown that at least, you know, not in his career where he's been injured fairly frequently. Yeah, he, I think that's been his biggest issue. He, when coming into the league, everybody said the one thing he needs to do is be able to add strength. And unfortunately, and it wasn't to the lower body. I mean, his legs are fine. He needed to add a little bit more muscle there, but it was more his upper body. And unfortunately, all of his injuries have been to his upper body. I'm trying to remember his, his first year was, uh, was a torn pectoral. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, after a couple games, his rookie year showing some promise, he actually showed some promise in 2015. And then he got injured. You know, he's, he's starting to, to improve there a little bit. And then he never quite got healthy. And then all of a sudden he comes in training camp last year and starting to look a little okay. And, and all of a sudden he breaks his elbow. And again, can't do anything to to improve his upper body. And yet they had to, they had to stick him out there. And the way it works is, you know, if you don't have a great punch and you don't have the ability to hold on to a, a defender – you know, they're, they're just going to beat you. They're just going to push you straight back or they're going to knock your arms down the second you try to block them. And that's exactly what we saw last year. You know, he yeah. was getting bull rushed where he looked like he was on skates. It was, oh, <laughs> it was I, I hate talking about last year with either Stevenson or Sam Brilo. It was, it was bad. And it was both, it was bad in both the run and pass game. That, that's, that's the thing is, you know, at least with some players, you can sit there and say, oh, well, at least they did okay in this one area. No, they didn't have any good area that you could hold your hat on and say, well, maybe they can do something. So this year... snap count. That's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. So he, uh, yeah, struggled a lot. And thankfully this offseason, he was able to get healthy and, and maybe can prove why he was a second-round pick. You know, I, I think a lot of people were kind of torn on the pick. A lot of people said he was he was a little bit of a reach back then. And he's got a lot to prove to show that he even deserves to make this team this upcoming year. But he does have versatility. Like you said, he played all five positions in college. For the NFL, he's played left tackle, right tackle, and even had some experience last year in training camp for left guard. Or was it right guard? can't remember. Left guard, I think. Left yeah. guard. And, yeah, so he, he's had a little bit of versatility, and that's nice to have for your backups. That's, that's what you want. You want guys that can start multiple positions. So you don't have to keep as many guys for the 53-man roster. But, yeah, I, I don't know. What what do you think are his chances of making this roster? Well, I am a believer, and it is the dead season, so I am going to keep drinking some orange Kool-Aid. And I think that if everything goes well and if everything goes the way Elway and the front office want it, Sam Brilo will make the team as the swing tackle this year, backing up both Bulls at left tackle and Watson at right tackle, mainly due to... Sam Brilo still being relatively cheap on that rookie deal and not having to pay Stevenson a much, much heftier cap hit. So I think hopefully the added muscle will help him this year as well as just having a healthy off season where he can focus. Cause that really is important. But if he plays anything like he has the last two years, then 
he's not going to be long for the NFL, let alone Denver. Agreed. Now, do you think that there's any chance that he could actually win the starting job over Bulls? Uh, there definitely is a chance that it could happen because Bulls is raw and, you know, they're going to base it on how they play. You know, there's no real rush to throw Bulls out there. So if Sembrilo's playing better and if Sembrilo's Watson is a better combo, then I wouldn't be upset about it. That said, I think it's probably more likely that you see Sembrilo or, or you see Watson get injured and then Sembrilo come up and play for him, whether that be left tackle or right tackle and have Bulls play the other spot. Agreed. Yeah, I, I, I think Bulls will win it. I, you know, early on I was hearing about Sembrilo showing some success in minicamp and OTAs, but it seemed like he kind of went downhill as, as time went on, and Bulls kind of really showed well, not not great, but I mean showed some promise. I guess I should say, you know, he was still getting beat by Von Miller, was getting beat by uh, was it Edibali? Edibali. Edibali yeah, was Edibali. whooping up on him. Yeah. So he, he was still having his struggles, but I think he showed enough promise for the team to really get excited about what he could be, especially coming up here in training camp where they can get a little bit more contact going because that, that's that's going to be where Sam Bryla is going to have to show himself. It's not really in these no padded, you know, put your hands on them and the play's done kind of thing. It's going to be when, when they actually get the pads on, you know, hat on a hat, see what these guys can do. Agreed, Dan. Sam Bryla's just got to show that he can be healthy and – hold up in the trenches because right now, I mean, you were talking about it. He looked like he was an armless player last year. Like that's how he played just a dude out there with no arms trying to block people because that's how weak he was with his punch. As soon as the guys can't make contact with his arms, they would just run right through him. So his feet never really have been a problem. I mean, he can get caught a little bit lunging and whatnot with his balance, but he is pretty agile and he just hasn't had the upper body strength or the core strength to make anything with his contact, you know, getting in front of them can only do so much. So hopefully he will show in the off season. And if not, he, like I said, he might not be long for the NFL. I am curious to see how he does with the switch to the power scheme. I always thought he was a better zone blocker than a power blocker and his lack of strength so far in the NFL may be magnified with the scheme switching, but still I'm pulling for him. And I think that there's enough hope with the, uh, the tackling tackle, that he may make the team and save the save the overall team some money. Perfect. All right. Well, the guy he's in a big time battle with for this upcoming season is Donald Stevenson. Another. He's actually been decently versatile, playing left tackle, right tackle, left tackle for the Chiefs for a while, and right tackle for us this past season. And was supposed to kind of be that guy that came in and secured that that right tackle spot for us and finally gave us a weapon since Franklin left. And uh, last year that obviously didn't happen, but he's still here. They restructured his deal. Instead of making the 4 million fully guaranteed, they divided up where he had 2 million guaranteed and, and 2 million if he makes the 53 man roster. So he's got a lot to play for, you know, a lot of, a lot of money on the table for him at this moment. And I, I don't know. This is, he's got a lot, a lot to prove. I, I think Sombrilo at least has that promise that he's added muscle. What has Stevenson done? You know, that that's, that's the question that comes up for me. You know, he's still that, that same player that shows physical ability, you know, at the combine. This is why he was the third round pick. He had a four, nine, four, 40, 35 and a half inch vertical, 114 inch broad jump, uh, 7.523 count, 4.78, 20 yard shuttle, Long arms at 34 and 7 eighths inch, you know, 
that that's a lot of promise. That's a lot of physical, especially speed ability for the position. But it's never translated to the field. He's always kind of kind of struggled with actually playing the tackle position. Yeah, he came over from the Chiefs, and where he really honestly flashed his best was that left tackle. And with how he plays, you know, he's more of a passive tackle rather than a ass whoop tackle to quote Botch Lombardi. And you know, you you just spouted it. The four nine four forty and long arms and just a good athlete. And I honestly think he's be a, he'd be a better option at left tackle than right tackle. You know, he just doesn't have that strength where he can move guys, and he's a much better mover and pass blocker. So having those stronger guys against him on that right tackle spot just has never been the best fit for him. And he played his best ball at the Chiefs. You know, that's what garnered him this contract at left tackle when he was filling in for Fisher. I do not think Stevenson will probably be making the roster just because that saves $2 million for the team if he doesn't. And I think they'll probably have Schofield as the fourth tackle. Maybe somebody will be cut and we'll bring in another one. But my guess is they wouldn't keep Stevenson, which is kind of sad because, I mean, he does have the prototype size and athleticism to hang at tackle, but he just never has had the technique. And above that, he's never had the mentality, you know, whether it be the mental consistency from a snap to snap basis or just the overall demeanor where I'm going to put my hands on this guy and rough him up and out physical them. You know, he just doesn't have that. He's just a little bit too passive for the tackle position. So I'm guessing he does not make the team. You know, he's struggled enough. He's had some injuries. And when it, what it comes down to for me overall is the, the money. You know, save $2 million. Hopefully roll that over for next year. Say, have a little more money to play with next offseason, you know, with other contracts going up. So I think, I think he is not long for the Broncos this offseason. All right, well, we're going to move on here real quick to some 2018 college prospects because I, I don't think there's – beyond these four people and Schofield, who has versatility, we're, we're going to talk about him in the guard section. But, yeah, beyond that, we don't have a whole lot on this team. And it's it's a very weak depth-wise team. And so next year, 2018, Broncos once again could be looking at offensive tackle early in the draft. And – you have some names here for, for people, our listeners, to really be paying attention to for this upcoming season. So how about you share some of those with us? Well, first on my list is left tackle out of the University of Texas, Connor Williams. Connor Williams is right now considered one of the more elite prospects heading into next offseason. He is a very controlled mover in space, looks very natural in pass block sets. I think he was just a four-star recruit but has really grown into his body. He's like 6'5", 300, and just a smooth mover. I mean, he just looks so natural when he's pass blocking and run blocking. I mean, a lot of those big runs for Dante Foreman last year, Connor Williams is a big part of that. So I think he'll probably be a top 10 pick next year. I am curious about his arm length. Uh, He does look like he has somewhat shorter arms. You know, I do not think he will break 35 inches. You know, if he's 34 good for him, then he'll make it. He might be under 34, though, so that's a question. But I think he's got all the talent in the world, and he's somebody I'm excited to watch this year for Texas since they've struggled the past few years in putting out NFL talent. Uh, The next guy who I think probably should have come out last year, honestly, is Mike McGlinchey. He might have been the first tackle taken. He is returning to Notre Dame, and he is a monster. He's 6'8", about 315 pounds, and just uh, played right tackle when the – Fighting Irish had Ronnie Stanley over at left tackle then made the transition to left tackle last year and looked pretty good. He's not an incredible athlete. He's not the athlete that Bowles is or Williams or a few other guys we'll talk about. 
but he's just, you know, one of those guys that doesn't ever look panicked, um, moves very well, you know, plays with decent leverage for six, eight, you know, he doesn't let guys get into his pads too often. He did struggle so much with Malik McDowell early last year, but Malik McDowell is a freak athlete. So not a big surprise. And McGlinchey could end up being a top 10 pick next year as well. I love that he has the versatility to be a left tackle or a right tackle. Uh, the next name I want to talk about, another high recruit, uh, Mitch Hyatt from Clemson. 6'5", about 290, so somebody's going to have to get a little bigger, a little stronger in the NFL, but very good mover, uh, very athletic, agile, and has always been that five-star guy. He's going up against very good athletes at Clemson in practice, and obviously they have a star on their back this year being the defending champions. So I'm more like a target on their back. <laughs> so he's uh, he's definitely one to watch, and he's going to have to get stronger. He might not come out this year. He's going to be a junior, but definitely has the tools to be a starting bookend. The next one that's not getting a lot of hype right now is Trey Adams from Washington. Uh, good size. Apparently he's a 6'6", about 300, but he's they're saying that he put on about 15, 20 pounds this year, so that's good. He is, again, another very good athlete at the left tackle position, moves well, a better pass blocker than run blocker right now. He needs to get stronger, more core strength uh, in order to last as a tackle in the NFL because right now he's not the best run blocker. But with the added strength and another year in the training conditioning program at Washington, he, we may see that next step. Uh, one of my favorites from early on, I've been hyping him for a bit, is uh, Chuck Wumo Gorafor, the left tackle from Western Michigan. Six foot six, 330 pounds, and just 18 years old is going to be a – he might be 19 – uh, just going to be a senior this year. So he's really young. He came to the USA from Nigeria, traveled around Africa a little bit too, but came over here at high school and started his college ball at Western Michigan at 16 years old. So he's a young guy still and very good athlete, you know, needs to get stronger, needs to be a little bit more uh, refined technically, but huge upside and one of my favorite under the radar tackles in this class. Um, some more names to note. You have Martinez Rankins, who might be playing center this year for Mississippi State. Jamarco Jones, who's a tackle for Ohio State, who blocked very well. One of the better players in that Clemson-Ohio State game where Ohio State got spanked, so I'm excited to watch him. Archie Lewis, who is a good tackle for Boise State. I think he's only 6'3", though, so he might have to move into guard. And Orlando Brown Jr., who I have way down here because I think he's probably just purely a right tackle, but he's 6'8", 350 pounds, I believe, and uh, son of a former Orlando Brown Sr., I guess, <laughs> both known as Zeus. And, you know, a good run blocker. So if Denver's looking for a right tackle round two next year, I wouldn't be surprised if they took Orlando Brown Jr. Kind of the Phil Lode-Holt mold where he's not the most agile guy, but for his size, he's decently agile. Agile enough to be a starting tackle probably and will sit at the right tackle position and be a mauler. So overall, obviously, there's going to be some more names that pop up. That's just how it goes. But overall, compared to last year, it looks like a much better class. I'm not willing to say it's a better class than the 2015 class. That class was awesome. You had... Decker, Conklin, Stanley, and Tunsil, as well as Spriggs, so that, and uh, Efidi. So that class was damn good. I'm not sh ready to say it's going to be that good yet, but overall, looks like a pretty solid class. And depending on how Watson and Bulls do and just the value of the tackle position, I am 100% here to take another tackle next year if that makes sense with the most value at the position and uh, protecting the young quarterback. All right. Good breakdown. I appreciate it. And yeah, some good names. I, I love watching Connor Williams. He just, he just gets it. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a right way. It's, I don't think that's a, a scouting term, but he just looks so smooth in everything he does. Like it's you easy. said, yeah, he just, it's so yeah. Easy. yeah. Um, another, yeah. Trey Adams. I, I love that kid. 
he has such potential. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do this year. And I can see him being one of those guys that can play left or right tackle. You know, he's just yeah. got the athleticism and the strength to be able to do either. So, yeah, very interested in him. Orlando Brown, loved watching him run people over. You know, I, I was kind of hoping he would come out this year. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he, he I, I love him as well. He's Those are my three guys that I'm watching big time. And I know you have your Okorafor. Did I say that right? Yep, Okorafor. And, Okorafor, and he's yeah. got some pretty pretty tough matchups early on. I think week one they play USC. So well, that'll, he's be, yeah, that'll be huge. So he'll get on the map early. So, But, yeah, some great guys for this upcoming season and definitely a position that – because of the price, I mean, you look at, you know, right tackle, left tackle, you know, they're making, you know, $10, $12 million a year. So if you can get those cheap rookie options and get some young guys to surround these quarterbacks and protect them and build with them, you know, that would be great for the Broncos. Yeah, and for everything that we have done right on defense, we have not done right on offense. You know, there's obviously a little bit of trade for either side because you don't get unlimited first-round draft picks, but – I would not be against going tackle around one again next year. I mean, look at what it's done for the Titans quarterback, Mariota. He's got Taylor Luan and he's got Jack Conklin, and that's just made a world of difference for their run game and the quarterback. So if the Broncos can do the same for whether it be Simeon, Lynch, uh, Slaughter, Slaughter, <laughs> whoever it is, that's it's going to be big for the team to get those bookends. So I'm pulling for Watson and Bulls, but if the value comes down to it next year, I am 100% for taking a tackle again. So, all right. Well, that will wrap up episode 22 of our Huddle Up podcast. Stay tuned for future deep dives into positional groups as we are about two weeks from training camp. Come on, come on. Hurry, hurry, as Peyton Manning would say. Bronco fans, make sure to keep checking back on Mile High Huddle for all your updates on camp battles and all other Bronco news. You can find Carl on Twitter at MHH. And again, just a plug for him, check out, check out his article that the Denver Broncos PR team decided was good enough to share in Menelik Watson uh, film film breakdown. So it's worth a read. Go check it out. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter as well, at Nick Kendall MHH, and find all of our Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com, and a member of the CBS Sports Digital Media. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud, etc. Please take time to rate us and leave us a review. We do read those and we take them to heart. Uh, we just had a comment a few days ago about our intro potentially being a little bit more succinct and or actually it was today. <laughs> our intro just being a little more succinct with the one that Chad and will do. So we'll be working on that because we, we are here for you guys. We want to make it an enjoyable listening experience for you guys, the listeners. So, but in order to do that, you know, you got to communicate with us, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We love to hear from you guys and we're here for you for Carl Dumbler. I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up the 22nd episode of the draft huddle up podcast, man, 22 already, Carl. <laughs> we hope <laughs> you enjoy fun. That's crazy. Yeah. It's 22. Been fun, man. a lot of fun. So. We need football to come back so we can have some more fresh stuff to talk about. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov slash EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense.
15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.